0: Hey, how many have ever had a mistake or a failure in your life? Huh? Only one or two, okay then. The rest are all perfect, that's good. Fine. I think the path to success is riddled with mistakes and failures. Have you ever realised that? That actually there's no such thing as uh, getting it right all the time. I'll just bring the volume down a bit, it feels like I'm a little loud. And uh, so one of the great things about Jesus Christ is he gives everyone another go, gives everyone a fresh start. In God, there's always a fresh start. Now, it doesn't matter where you are right now, how messy your life is, what it is you're facing or struggling with, I can tell you tonight and assure you, in Christ there's always a fresh start. Every day is a fresh start with Him. And so I want to encourage you tonight on how to overcome setbacks and failures. I want to share with you something from the Word of God. And we're looking at the Old Testament. So open up your Bible. Hope you've brought one with you. And uh, because the Bible has uh, the ability to change our life if we know how to apply it to our lives. So I want you to look with me, if you've got your Bible, in the Old Testament, 2 Kings chapter 13 and verse 14. And we're going, to, uh, we're going to read to about verse 14 to verse 19. So Lord, just help us to understand how to deal with defeats and setbacks and to learn from them and fall forward and grow in Jesus' name. Okay then, so let's read it from verse 14. Now, before we just start in doing that, you need to understand the Bible contains many, many stories of people. So in the Old Testament, it's full of natural stories. But behind all of the stories, there were spiritual powers operating and there were spiritual principles at work. And God has recorded these stories so we can have something to inspire us to hope, something to learn from. And so the Bible, interestingly enough, doesn't cover up the mistakes of people. It just puts them all out there. It doesn't kind of hide their failures. doesn't hide their character faults. It just puts it all out there. So you can look into someone's life who lived many years ago, and you thank God it's not your life that's named there. And you could look at someone's life and see how they succeeded and why they failed and whether they overcame their fail. And sometimes people overcame failure and rose up to great historic achievement. For example, Samson massively failed in his life, and yet he moved from failure into a massive victory and at the end of his life was more successful than right through it. So some of you tonight may have experienced failures in your life or setbacks that have affected you quite deeply till now. And failures can set back, can, and setbacks can actually affect us very, very deeply. They can last in your life. You can carry the impact of your failures and it stops your whole potential coming into being. So we do need to learn how to manage and handle failures that take place. And so I want to show you from the story how a king who had suffered massive failures and massive setbacks was instructed and given inspiration or direction prophetically what to do to deal with it. And so as we look at the story, initially when you have your first look at it, it is just a story, of, but it's a particular person. And in this case, he had a partial recovery, but not a full recovery. And so when we look at the story, we're going to look, first of all, just at the bare facts of it, what happened, and then we're going to look into it and see if we can find out what you can learn that would be relevant for you. At your first glance at Bible stories, it doesn't look like they relate to anything in life at all. You have to stop and think about it a little. So I want to help you tonight, not just by sharing with you something that can help you, but help you understand how to do it as well. So firstly, we'll just read the story and just have a look at what happens in the story. Then we'll try and pull out of it something that you could apply to your life. And specifically, if you've had a failure and a setback, you can apply it to that and learn how to break out. Would that be good? That'd be helpful. Amen? How many know you'll probably have some failures before the year, year end? You might as well get listened up then and find out what to do with them. <laughs> okay, so Elisha, that's a great prophet, double anointing prophet, had become sick of his illness where he would die. And Joash, the king of Israel, came and wept over his face and said, My father, my father. And Elisha said to him, verse 15, Take a bow and some arrows. So if it was here today, they say, Go to your gun cabinet, pull out a gun and some ammunition. So he took himself a bow and some arrows And then he said to the king of Israel Put your hand on the bow And he put his hand on it And Elisha put his hands on the king's hands And he said open the, window, uh, the uh, east window And he opened it And then Elisha said shoot I like that He's a bit of a redneck Shoot And he shot Isn't that great I like that That's probably a good verse I like that If I could go home tonight with that verse Let's go positive possum hunting. Shoot And he shot and he said, the arrow of the Lord's deliverance and the arrow of deliverance from Syria. For you must strike the Syrians today, vic till you have destroyed them. Then he said, take the arrows. And he took them. And he said to the king of Israel, strike them on the ground. So he struck them three times and then he stopped. And the man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck five or six times. You'd have struck Syria till you destroyed it. Now you'll only strike Syria three times. And Elisha died. Now we'll just go down a little further verse 23 the lord was gracious and had compassion now we go right down here verse 25 and jehoash jehoash the son of jehoash recaptured from the hand of ben-hadad the son of aziah the cities that had been taken out of the hand of his father by war three times he defeated them and recaptured the cities of israel there is it's just a story of someone's breakthrough and a battle now I want, so you read the story The thing, first of all, when you're reading the stories in the Bible is you need to look at them and read a little bit around them and find what had happened. In other words, look at the background that's there. What had happened was this particular king was not doing so well in his walk with God, and he suffered some significant and horrifying defeats. The enemy armies came in and invaded his land, and instead of winning and being victorious, instead of getting the breakthrough and seeing God work on his behalf, it seemed like God wasn't with him at all, And what happened was he lost large sections of territory. That meant he lost cities. So that cost him immensely in terms of influence, reputation and finances. It affected every area of his life. So he was now the king who had failed and his lands partly had been invaded and were occupied by an enemy army. This is a humiliating setback. It's a humiliating defeat. It's financially humiliating. And in terms of his leadership, it's terribly humiliating. I wonder, now you begin to think about this, I wonder in your own life, have you ever experienced situations where you had a setback that cost you financially, cost you relationally, cost you your reputation, or deeply hurt you and left you quite grieved? Then this is what this guy had been going through. So when you read the stories, look at the background of it and try to imagine the feelings the person had. Try to imagine... He's not just a king you read about. This is a real person who suffered a humiliating defeat as a king. I don't think any leader of a nation feels very happy when some only army invades their lands and occupies it and now there's a part of their territory they don't control anymore. And every day he would arise and every day the news was always the same, the suffering of the people who were oppressed by the enemy. I think when you have setbacks and defeats, what happens is every day when you rise... And you think about that situation, there's a grief of your defeat, there's a grief over failure, and there's an embarrassment about it. And then you begin to think, do I dare get up again and get going again? So I want to show you from the story here what he was advised to do, because there's several things he was told to do, and these things each can apply to life. So you've got to have a look at what happened in the story. So he came to Elisha. Elisha. Who was Elisha? Elisha was a prophet. Elisha represented God himself. Elisha spoke on behalf of God. Elisha was the voice of God to him. And so in his trouble, he came to God to get an answer. When you have faced humiliating defeats, one of the first things you need to do is return to the Lord for an answer. God is willing to help us. You may be facing a conflict at home a difficulty in your life, a habit that's got a hold of you, you may have a problem, you can't seem to get the victory over, one of the first things when we face the reality we have a horrifying defeat in our life is turn to the Lord for counsel and advice. Ask the Lord for help. He's willing to help us. The Bible says if you don't know what to do, if you lack wisdom, it says in James, ask the Lord and He will give to you freely and gladly. So if you're here tonight and you know that you have suffered a failure, defeat, or setback, whether it's with family, it's in your home, it's in your work, it's in your school, in your finances, in your personal life or relationships, one of the first things to do is let the pain of the failure bring you back to the Lord. Let the pain of your failure bring you back to the Lord. So if you're facing a setback tonight, at the end of the meeting, what I do want to do is invite you to come with your failure to the Lord. You know, there's an old saying, If at first you don't succeed, destroy all evidence you ever tried. (laughs) There's a tendency to to want to cover it up and get away from it. (laughs) I don't want anyone to know I even thought of doing that. On me, I had nothing to do with it. So there's always a pain associated with failures. And uh, so we need to learn how to handle it. So number one, the first step then is, In the midst of your pain, let your pain of your defeat and failure bring you back to the Lord. Let it bring you to Jesus. Come to him. Why? Because he's the master of fixing failures. He's the only one who knows how to fix your failures, set you on the right track again. Now, a lot of people don't think you can get out of that mess. A lot of people write you off. People have all kinds of attitudes, and they'll condemn you and judge you. Here's the one thing you find about Jesus. He'll never judge you because you had a setback and a failure. He'll always say, welcome. Welcome. You know, you think of the stories of people in the Bible who had failures. A woman had five failures in her marriage, and now she's living with a guy. She's just given up all hope of ever finding a right man. Sound familiar? Yeah. Okay. She's given up every hope of finding the right guy, and now she's living in failure. And Jesus never condemned her. In fact, he turned her around, and she became a missionary on his behalf within a short period of encountering him and hearing his words. Come on, think about it. It doesn't matter really where you're... This is the wonderful thing about the gospel. It brings hope that no matter how messy it is, God can get you out of it. He's got a way out of it. Listen, you have to think about this. A person's dead and he's been buried in the grave. There isn't a single way humanly possible you can get him out of that grave. But God can. God can. So whatever death experience you've had, whatever pain, whatever mess, however bad it is, however ashamed you are, and you dug a hole and tried to bury it, but how it crawls out at night and torments you, that thing God can sort out for you. So here's the first one, is you need to come to the Lord. And so he came to the prophet, and he was not very happy, he was weeping. So he was in a bit of distress, wasn't he? He was in quite some distress. So he came and it was a heart engagement. Now, he was told to do something. Here's the first thing he was told to do. So number one, come to the Lord. Number two, he's told to take bow and arrows. Now, if I was to, to put it in a modern say the guy's saying to him this, go and get a gun out and load it up with ammunition. Now, if I was to get a gun out and load it up with ammunition, I was thinking about bringing one tonight, actually. I had to get a gun, you know, but then it gets, people in church get scared easily, you know. So, so, better not do it. Just talk about it. So, anyway, he told, he's told to get a bow and arrow. Now, to get a bow and arrow means... And it means you make a decision, you're going to fight. To get the bow and arrow means you have to decide in your heart, you're going to stand up again. And no one can stand up for you. So he said, go get a bow and arrow. No, 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 no they are pointy things there, but I don't want them. Now listen, you need to understand, it requires you make a decision to stand. If you've fallen over, get up again. If you've fallen over, make a stand again. There's nothing God can't help you with, but the one thing he won't do for you is get you up again. He'll help you get up, but you've got to decide, I'm going to get up. I'm going to go back into the battle. I'm going to get into the fight again. You must determine or make a decision that you're going to do something. You have to decide. So he said, take the bow and the arrows. So he goes into there, and and of course, he didn't like to go get the bow and arrows because he's been defeated. If it could have been defeated It's not pleasant to go back there And get out the weapons of war So the first thing He came to the Lord The second thing God speaks to him very clearly Determine You're going to fight boy Get, get up. up again and That's what God always says Get up again He'll help you up gently But he, he, he will help he Certainly puts it into you Don't stay down So Now what they used to do In the Old Testament Was this when, when, a, when an army Was going to invade a land This is what they would do They would take a bow And an arrow and they point it at the land, and they pull it right back, and they fire an arrow into the land, and that prophetically symbolized or sent a signal, we are going to invade. We're going to invade the territory. So the thing you notice he's told to do, he says you must stand up and fight. There's no advance in life without a struggle and a battle. There's no one succeeds in life without a struggle and a battle. There is no overnight success. It's just hours of putting in effort, overcoming failures and setbacks, until finally you become an overnight success. But it took 10 years to become an overnight success. We look around, we see someone successful, and we think, oh, they're a bit lucky, and how come they got to be there? Oh, while you were sleeping, they stood up and did something. You have to make a decision Wherever your setbacks are in life, or wherever you feel your defeats have been, you will stand up again, and you've got to join in the battle. The Bible says that we have a race to run, a fight to fight, called the fight of faith. So you have to make that decision. Oh, I don't want to get up. Okay, you can lie down there as long as you like. And you won't go anywhere. You won't pass, you won't succeed, you won't move forward. You cannot remain passive in life. This is true of every aspect of life You cannot lie down, stay down, remain passive and ever hope to have a success in your life. Passivity is a blight in our nation. If you are a passive, shut down person, by that means you're not proactive and energized, you have got a problem. You are living under a spirit that defeats you. You've got to make a decision to stand up. And that's why we have strong music. That's why we call people to engage positively with God. Why? Because in your spirit, you have to stand up. If you don't stand up inside and dare to believe God again, you'll stay in the place of defeat. You'll stay humiliated and live in shame and live a low level of life. And you know what? When people are in that place of defeat, it's so bad it shows on them. There's nothing more, I believe, embarrassing for God than defeated Christians it's just a reproach for what Jesus did Jesus took on the devil and everything and won the victory and said oh I make you more than conquerors I put my spirit it's the same spirit that got me out of the grave and raised me up He said, I put it in you you're not a wimpiner, you're a warrior you've got something in you to overcome If you you, Don't want you to believe that, get you focused on faults and failures and setbacks and get you lying down on the inside, you need to learn how to pray strong in tongues, how to strengthen your spirit man, how to rise in your spirit. Why? Because it's from within your spirit that you get access to the things of God. You've got to learn how to stand up. You cannot become a wimpy person. You cannot let yourself lie down and let the devil push you around. Every day you get up, you throw your defeat in your face and tell you're a nothing and a no good, you never make it. He will do that all the time. You've got to make a decision. I'll stand up. I will stand up. You're never defeated till you lie down. You're never defeated till you lie down. The day you won't get up, you're defeated. So Jesus, this is what the interesting thing the Bible says: the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Though we fall, though we fall, the Lord will uphold him with his hand. How about that? Peter, man, if you fell over, Jesus said, "Get up!" So you fell over and had a moral failure. You fell over and got drunk. You fell over and did this. You fell over and did that. Get up again. Don't stay in that place of failure. And so the first thing he says, get up. Determine you're going to fight. Get some fight back in you because you're a warrior. You're a champion. You know, Gideon's hiding there under the wine under the press. He's really full of fear and whatever. And the angel comes to him and says, oh, you mighty man of valor. God is with you. Now, God could say the same thing here. Put your name in it. Oh, you mighty man of Allah! God is with you because He sees you that way. That's how God sees you. You may not see yourself that way. That's because you've got all the stuff sitting around your head and mind and emotions. He sees you a mighty man, a mighty woman of Allah. That's who you are. That's who you are. That's who you are. Agree with God. He says, come on, I'm with you. You can't lose. You can't lose. How can you lose when God's with you? You can't lose. You have some setbacks. You have a few humiliations, but that's all. That happened to Jesus too. You have some setbacks, but you get over them. You get over them. So, we you've got to get up again. So, so God intends that you have the victory. He intends you have the victory. Think about this. Wherever you've fallen over and failed in your life, it could be the place where God gives you your greatest breakthrough and becomes the very area that becomes your strength in your life. How about that? You know, it, the very Say, so no person fails financially... And and then leans into God and stands up again and begins to break out of bankruptcy, break out and begins to see God's hand work on their life. They have a living testimony that can touch other people and help them out of it. They've got a testimony of God breaking through. So, next thing, get up and fight. Now, it's the next thing you have to do. So, the next thing he was told to do, you won't like this one, he said, open the east window. And he opened it. Now, Now, you say, what's the point of the east window? See, when you read the stories, try to read exactly what happened and then ask yourself the question, what on earth is that? Why the east window? Why not the north one, the south one or the west one? Why the east one? Very simple. If you read around the story, you find, or look up anywhere, you find on the east, it was where the land had been conquered. In other words, it was towards the east he had the failure. So every time he would go and open up the east windows, you, wanted to, you know why God said, open the east windows, because he's got them battered down and locked up. You're not going to look out there any time, because every time he looks out there, his disappointment, his grief, his hurt, his pain of his failure comes back to him. So we'll just shut up the window. We don't look out the east windows now. You'll notice my house. We look out north, south and west windows. We don't look out in the east windows. Kaikah's east windows show you where the failure is. Ah, so that's what God's wanting him to do. Opening the east window means you have to face your failure and defeat and the area that you suffered a setback. You have to face it. And so what he got him to do was to fire an arrow in the very direction where he faced defeat. Every time he looked out there, there were cities out there, and he would hear reports of how the, the, the pain and the failure and the suffering of his people in there, it was a reminder every day of his defeat. And so when he said, open up the windows to the east, He's saying, I want you to face the pain of your failure. I want you to face the place of your setback. I have learned this. If you do not face the issues in your life fairly and squarely, they will continue to erode your confidence. There's something about honesty and bringing things out in the open. You have to face things where you've had a setback. Most people try to minimize it or blame someone else for it and remain a victim oh well, it's not my body it was my body it is so mean to me and you know, they remain a victim kind of thing or they just pretend and live in denial that there's ever a problem there just carry on like it hasn't happened or they try to just bury the thing inside and forget about it and they use language like this well i've moved on now and you can see they're still hurt and angry and bitter and they haven't moved on at all well, you know, a family broke up, and well, I've moved on now, I've left home, I've done this, and yet you can feel the anger inside of it. It's still all burning in there. And so you say, well, could we talk about that? And I don't want to talk about that. They don't want to open the window to the east. See, they need to open the window. You need to actually be willing to open up the area of your life where you've suffered your fit- setback and defeat. Why? Because if you don't face it properly and resolve it and deal with it, you will be always in a place where your confidence is eroded, where your uh, ability to go forward in that area is eroded. Most of us in the area where we've been defeated have no authority whatsoever. And so for you to gain authority, you've got to face the defeat and come to a place of victory in it. Instead of pretending it isn't there, denying it, blaming someone, putting it on someone else, just open the window and say, God, I want to face this area where I face defeat. I want to face I want to face this thing. And here's the kind of thing, you know. just ask yourself these kind of questions. What happened? Just go back and remember what actually happened. Remember the facts and the details of it. It's not always easy. It's often quite painful. How did I feel about that? What emotions did I have as a result of that setback and defeat and failure? What emotions did I have? And how did I react? What did I do to try and cope with that? How did, I, what did, I, did I believe something as a result of that? I'm no good. I'm a failure. I'll never make it. What did I believe as a result of it? You find that setbacks and failures. See, for example... I've known people at school to suffer greatly at school, not through because of their own fault, but because of a system that didn't take into account uh, where they were or whatever. And so they were humiliated from very young years at school. And, and years later in life, they can't learn. I, I spoke with someone recently who was struggling to read and study the Bible because he had, humi- he had humiliating defeat at school. And now, years later... He is now facing... He wants to go on in God. He's wanting to study the Word of God, wanting to grow in the things of God. And every time he picks up the Bible, there's this, humil- this emotion of being humiliated and being a dummy. I'm stupid. I don't know nothing. And so when he comes to try and study, it's a block now to go ahead, this humiliation of the past. So you need to resolve this thing. And so the thing is to open it up. So, so we need to open up the, air. Here's the third Here's the next thing we can do. So number one, will come to the Lord... Number two, we must determine and make an intention we're going to fight and win this thing. Number three, uh, we need to face or open the window, face the place of defeat. Now, here's the interesting thing here. Notice what he says to do. He said that the, the, the prophet said, shoot the arrow. And then as soon as he shot the arrow, then what happens is this, is the prophet said, now he spoke prophetically. And he said, this is the arrow of the Lord's deliverance. This is the arrow of victory. Now, I want you to see what he has done, and then you see how it applies. He's got him to stand up. Now, he could have just given a little prophetic word and say, listen, God's decided to help you. Don't worry. Just go out and fight him, and you'll win. He could have just done that. But what he did was something different. What he did was he gave him a graphic picture to do something in his imagination. He said, stand up at the window, open up where your defeat is, and then stand there with a bow and an arrow determining to fight and then you fire your arrow out into that territory you lost. And then once he fired the arrow, the moment he fired the arrow, he said, that arrow is God's deliverance from the Syrians. It is God's victory and total freedom for you. So what he did was he put a vivid picture in his imagination and a prophetic word from God over the top of it. Now, what he's doing is he's wanting faith to rise in the guy's heart. How does faith rise in your heart to get a victory? You need to see from God's perspective. You need to look into the Word of God and find an answer from the Word of God for your situation. You need a Word from God. Now, you just don't get it by hanging around. You get it by seeking the Lord. You get it by asking, God, give me a Word of wisdom. God, give me direction from your Word for the situation. Lord, show me what to do. And God will quicken something from His Word, and that then becomes the arrow of the Lord's victory. How do you hurl the arrows of the Lord's victory? You've got to imagine and see the victory first and then start to speak it over your life. You have to learn to speak. A lot of Christians, uh, they just mumble. I don't see anyone doing anything great mumbling. I've never heard a great singer mumble and I've never heard a great speaker mumble. never heard a great leader mumble. No one mumbles their way to victory. You just don't win that way. And the Bible says... Jesus Christ is the high priest of my profession or confession of faith. I've got to say what God says about this situation. I've got to learn to see it from God's point of view. And so he looks out the window. Naturally, all he can see is humiliation and defeat. God says, I'm going to see that arrow. That's a declaration of war and your victory. Your victory is sure. So he's wanting him to imagine now great victories ahead and to begin to speak it over his life. That's how faith works. Faith, imagine. Think about this. Think about this. Who's the greatest hero of faith in the Bible, in the Old Testament? It is Abraham. Okay, now his name was Abram. And Jesus, or God, changed his name and made us change his name. He said, no, look, they're not going to call you Abram. Everywhere you go, this is what I want you to do. Your name is going to be Abraham, meaning a father of nations. Now what you've got to see is, and then the second thing he told him to do, he said, in the nighttime, look up, see all the stars? Every time you look at the night, that's all your kids. Whoa! And you get up in the day, there's no stars, look at the sand. Hey, hey, kids. Now, I want you to see two things he's getting him to do. Number one, he's getting him to look and to change his imagination. Get out there at night, whoa, whoa, look at all those. And the daytime, whoa, look at all those kids. They say, who are you? Father of nations. Now, at that time, he's 99 or something like that. And the Bible says his body had stopped functioning sexually. In other words, he was had it. It's true. It says his body was dead, meaning sexually there's nothing moving, nothing happening. He's a goner. no kids are going to come out of that fella. Now, you can see this is an impossible situation. It's like now of all the places in the Bible to suffer a defeat, it's the defeat of not being able to have children or family. They had no welfare there. Your family were your future. Your family were your treasure. So he had this humiliating thing. And then everywhere he goes, they say, what's your name? Oh, Abraham, father of nations, how many kids have you got? Well, look at his wife, and she's over 90, and she's long. The Bible says it ceased with her in the manner of women. In other words, she stopped having periods, it's over too. So, so can you see the humiliation that they're both facing? No children, nothing happening. And everywhere he goes, God says, look up, see them, kids, kids, kids. Look, see it, kids, kids, kids. And when you speak, speak it out. Now, that's how faith operates. You've got to learn to imagine things and speak things and hold things around your life that God says. And you know what happened? She must have got younger. She must have got younger, yeah. She must have got younger and quite a hottie. I t- now we know it. Now I tell you, you see, this is the thing you don't realize. She was over 90 when this happened. And when she heard the word, you know what, she was listening in the door of the tent. She heard the angel, t- she heard the Lord talking to him. She just laughed. Ha! Over 90! Wah! Kids! Ha! 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 And they said, you were laughing, weren't you? No, not me. I wasn't laughing. No, no. And uh, so she was laughing. But you know what? Later on it said this. It said that one of the local kings desired her. Now either he was very old and blind and couldn't see how old she was or something changed. He desired his, he desired Abraham's wife. Now, no one desires a 90-year-old woman sexually. You know that. You don't go looking at pictures of 90-year-old nudes now, do you? It's not going to happen. Come on, just think about it. I'm trying to make it in a way you'll understand it. You see, now, what's happening is this. Is God... God is making him shift his imagination and his confession until his circumstances line up with what he believes in his heart. He had to grow into the faith. He had to grow into and have faith conceive in his heart. When faith got in his heart, he began to change. Life was restored. A miracle happened in his body. A miracle happened in his white body. That's how he got the miracle. This is how faith works. So if you're spending all your time on the Internet, loading your mind with junk, I would expect that you will have very little success in life you can't, you've got to actually use your imagination to create the images of your future that God wants you to have that you desire to have, you've got to take time to, to allow your imagination to see the possibilities and speak the possibilities day by day until your heart settles, I know God is going to do this see, and so this is what he did, he tried to put a prophetic picture in him Put a prophetic picture in that he wanted him to hold on to So then he asked him, he, tried, he had to get him to act on Notice this, it's quite interesting It said, you must strike the Syrians at Aphek until you've destroyed them Now the word Syrian literally means this It means some, uh, It means to be elevated or exalted And the word Aphek means literally this It means a fortress, something that contains or, or hinders so what, it's, so what it's saying now, you get in the language I always look up the meanings of words because they all have a meaning in the Bible. That's what it's saying. He's saying the Syrians who are elevated and in a high place or exalted place or have exalted themselves, it's in the place called Aphek, which is a fortress there. That's where you're going to take them on. Now, you begin to start to think of high and exalted and you begin to think of fortresses and immediately 2 Corinthians 4 comes to mind where it says the weapons of our warfare are not, my- are not carnal but they are mighty through God to what? to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and thoughts that exalt against the knowing of God. Now, here's, here's what that means very simply. He's saying you will have to deal with the thoughts, imaginations and, uh, and, and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and pictures and memories in your mind of failure and defeat. Because if you let them work in your heart, you will continue to have cycles of defeat. You've got to see victory. You have to tear down that stronghold that's got around your heart. Now, what usually gets around people is this, is fear, tremendous fear. We're just afraid to go out, afraid to start, afraid to step out, afraid to go again. And that fear is rooted in the memories you have and the pictures of defeat and failure and humiliation. And you've got to be willing to tear the things down. Sometimes to tear it down, you have to go and bring it to the Lord and open it up. Sometimes it requires some counsel, but always it requires, what does God say I'm going to get a picture of that, and I'm going to reject and resist that thing. I'll break all attachments to that soul tie, that, fight, that, that, that defeat, and I will stand up and begin to meditate on the truth until the truth is what I think. That takes a bit of time and effort. One of the reasons many Christians live in such defeat is they just don't put in the effort to change their life. Now, I wish that just going to a meeting could do it for you. But if you don't build a prayer life and spend time in the Word, you, you don't shift your life radically. You have to invest in it. Think about this. If you wanted to become a great musician, we've got some great musicians here. One thing you know about all of them, you know, think about Aaron. And Aaron, he just picks that guitar up. And, and, uh, and Andrew, they pick up the guitars, and they just play And Bruce, they pick it up and play them, and, and just music flows out. It looks so easy. But you know what? There was much discipline and training and preparation went over a long period of time before they could just pick it up and make it sing. And so in our personal life, we have to make a decision that we will address the memories and images and pictures of defeat and failure and pull them down by meditating on the Word of God, confessing the Word of God over our life. And then finally, the last thing is, here's the last thing, you, have to, you actually have to do something, you've got to take initiative to face that problem and persevere until you get the breakthrough. So the king said, take the arrows. They're the arrows of victory. And they will cause you to smash the Syrians. So take them and bash them on the ground. Now what he's trying to get him to do is he's trying to get him to rise up in his spirit and start to do something. Now, if you know that half your land had been taken and and your income was taken and you've suffered defeat and humiliation and now God's put hope back in your heart. And you say, now, I want you to do this. Strike those arrows of victory on the ground. Well, what would you do? You'd get there and go crazy. Oh, bang, 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 bang. bang. Yes, I'll get that victory. Instead of that, he went tap, tap, tap. And the prophet said, what a wimp. Man, you're not determined. If you're going to get somewhere, you have to be determined. I will do this until I get through. God will give me grace to see it through. Yes, you have to be determined. Anyone who's ever done anything in life, you have to be determined. You have to persevere, 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 persevere. And the Bible says, Hebrews ten thirty eight. it says, uh, don't let go your confidence in God. And rather, he said, you have need of perseverance. That after you've done what God wanted you to do, then you see the victory. It's always like that. So one of the greatest characteristics you can develop, if you want to get a life of victory, you've got to be a perseverer. You've got to be a stick with it. If you're up today and down tomorrow, that's not sticking with it. If you start and then stop, start, stop, start, stop, that's not sticking with it. You need someone to help you stay on course. So connect with someone who can mentor you. Connect with someone who can help you follow through a commitment. But get to do something. Persevere, persevere, persevere. And you break through it. You always break through it. You will always break through it. I figured this. that In the course of my Christian life, I realized I've watched lots of people come and go, lots of people rise and fall. And I've learned a very simple thing. If you can just hang in there and hold on to God, you will eventually succeed. Nothing can stop you. It's exactly true. Nothing can stop you. And I, I looked at the reason that one of the reasons that many people fail is very simply is the pain of their failures and the necessary discipline to persevere right through it. They just don't stick with things. You've got to learn to stick with stuff. Stick with it till you get to victory. Stick with it till you win. Then when you've won, you've broken through. I, I, was, I was a sticker with things, I always had to work hard to get, do anything, I wasn't smart enough so I had to work hard, work very very hard, I just persevered and persevered and persevered, and I would get a breakthrough and win and I learned, now, even though I was in the company of people at university, I mean, to go into university and my teachers said that I would not succeed, they said that I would fail and that was not a very nice thing to say, terrible thing for a teacher to say, put a curse on someone, nevertheless that's his problem, not mine, but Anyway, I went there, and I remember making the decision, if I fail, it won't be because I didn't try. I will just give it my very, very best and stick with it. And I stuck with it. I succeeded financially, succeeded in academics, passed everyone's expectation. By the time I'd finished, I'd risen right, completely to the very top. In the very area they said, you can't do it. You'll never succeed. You've just got to stick with it. You've just got to stick with it. I remember there were 400 students in my first year, in the course, they said at least half of you won't make it. At the end, that's true, half didn't make it. But I was in that half that did, 200. I was in the 200. And we got in the next year, and there was about 100. They said, oh, about not so many are going to get through this year. There will only be about 40 get through, and I was in the 40. And the next year, there were about 20. And they said, well, there's not many will make it this year. And I was in the ones that made it. In the following year, too. the following year. See, I just made a decision. If I don't get through, it won't be because I didn't try. I'll give them a best shot. And see, this is what he's saying. See, the the prophet was so upset with him. He said, look, he said, you have come. I've given you the solution. I've given you prophetic impartation. You've got a strategy to win. And he said, you just lack the resolve to see it through. And so he said, you'll get some victory, but you won't get the victory you could have had. You could have destroyed and crushed them completely. Do you notice how often you read in the paper about Syria today? If this guy here had done his job properly, they wouldn't be around. Think about it, the Syrian. They just wouldn't be here. He was told to do the job and do the job properly, and he never did it. And so they're still here to this day, and they're still giving Israel a headache to this day. It's still a problem. It's still a problem. And so we see here, and so the man of God was angry and said, you should have struck five or six times, you would have struck it if you destroyed it, now you'll only strike it three times. And he did, he had three times the victory. So, think about this. We'll just finish with this now. Just some simple keys when you face, have, a, have a failure, some area of defeat in your life. Here's some very simple things. Number one, let the pain bring you to the Lord because He can help and give you the victory. It's a very, very simple thing to do. Very, very simple. Two, you must make a decision. You're going to stand up and give it a go. You've got to decide to get up and give it a go. I don't mind helping anyone who'll stand up and give it a go. But when people want to stand up and give it a go, it's a waste of time. You've got to make that decision. You'll stand up and you'll give it a go to get back into a place of success again. Third thing, you've got to face where the failure was and the defeat was. Doesn't matter how big it was, just face it. Because God will turn your failures to victories. He will turn what was the Bible says it says He comforts us the comfort that He gives us, we comfort others. So He turned the failure thing into a place of victory for you. He can do it. Now how does He do that? Well you have to open your window to it, you've got to look at it and see how it's affected you, what's happened, how you feel, what you believe, how it's affected you. And then look to God to give you a strategy, a word, a word from God, a plan from God in order to face and overcome the sin. And then begin to meditate on that daily, speak it over your life, and then put it into action and start to do it. You will get a victory. You will get a victory. You notice the power of, of imagination in all of this. Mostly people live in fear because of what they imagine could happen, but faith imagines a great victory. We'll just finish with this, this story here. You Remember the story of David that uh, we heard about last week? Interesting thing, that both of them use pictures. Goliath come out and he's big and bullish and he's a big, big bully. And he said, I'm going to feed you to the birds of the air. Now, come and pick your eyes out and eat your flesh. And David just rose up and said, You come against me with the sword. I come against you in the name of the living God. I will take off your head and the birds of the air will eat you. So he put another picture out there. So he didn't let the picture of intimidation and fear shut him down. He just had another picture, a picture of victory, of God's ability to help him. And then he ran to him. He ran to the giant that defeated everyone else. So there's some things you need to run to, to face. They're just waiting for you because when you get the victory, and you get the breakthrough, when you overcome your fear, and def- then what's going to happen is your life will change and you have the power to help others. Don't you want that? See, it doesn't matter if you had a failure because God will turn it around and use it to help someone else who's had a failure. Then you say, listen, I had a failure there. I know exactly what this is like. Man, I've been there and right down on that pit, I can understand you and I can tell you I'm a living testimony. God gets people out of messes. Hey, think about this, the woman who was going in the middle of the day to the well to try and get some water. She was humiliated. Five marriage wrecks. In a small village, that's hell. Everyone talks, Everyone looks. Like, oh, oh, don't they your husband, you take your husband too. Now she's living with a guy, it's all really bad. Do you know what happened? When she encountered Jesus and Jesus changed her, she ran back to that place of failure. And instead of being ashamed to speak out, she stood and announced the gospel, the first person ever to announce the gospel. Don't you love that? She didn't go through any big training. She became an evangelist the moment she encountered Jesus, got a picture of something different. Come on, let's just close our eyes right now. I wonder if we could just open our hearts to the Lord. Perhaps you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus Christ. Oh, He's the greatest. He is the greatest. He turns defeats and the victories. He turns our life around because He addresses the root problem, which is sin being separated from God. He will help you to break through. And He will walk with you through life if you will entrust your life to Him. Today I want to invite any person here who doesn't know Christ to entrust your life to Him tonight to receive him into your life and trust what he did and what he does will help you through life. If you'll trust him to be your saviour, if you'll trust him to break the power of sin and separation from God, I can tell you now you're on a journey to change. But it requires a response. And so this is what I'd like you to do. If you're here tonight and don't know Christ, you, want to, you you just want to break out of that place of defeat and into a place of change then Jesus is the one to come to. <laughs> God so loved the world. He gave his only son who believed in him wouldn't perish but have life. I'd like you to do this if that's you. If you want to receive Christ tonight I'd like you to raise your hand and say I want to become a Christian. I want to receive Jesus tonight. Is there anyone here at that place tonight? Anyone here needing to give their life to Christ? Anyone here? Where are you in your life? What is happening in your life? What is going on? Do you need Jesus? Do you need Jesus? Or are you just going to carry on the way you are? I want to, tonight, as I've spoken, I felt what I've shared. I felt God dropping into my heart as I was waiting on Him. I believe there's a number of people here who have faced failures and setbacks, humiliating to you, humiliating. You don't have to stay there in that place of being humiliated, judged, condemned, and feeling a failure. You don't have to stay there. God will help you up. He always forgives our failures, gives us another chance. And he helps us to walk into victory in that area if we'll face it and journey it with him. Listen to tonight, I have a sense that there's a number of people who have experiences of defeat and failure and setbacks that you need today to open the window like this king did and bring God into it. The first smart thing the king did was he came to God in his pain. The second smart thing he did was open the window and face the failure. He could have had a glorious victory but he measured his own victory and you and I measure out our own victory by our response the problem is not God wanting the victory the problem was the response so today I'd like you to do this while the music is playing you know you're living in a place of defeat and setback and and, and disappointment why don't you make a decision that you will come in your pain to the Lord and open the window of your heart concerning that issue that you'll fight you'll stand up and give it a go again with him would you do that would you come out of your seat right now and come up to the front I believe prophetically God is going to touch some people tonight he's going to speak words of encouragement into you you never know whether the prophetic word that comes to you is exactly what you needed to break through with tonight but you'll never know unless you make the decision in your pain and difficulty and setback to come to Christ come to him Come tonight. Would you do that just as the musicians sing and play? All eyes are closed. I'd like you, wherever you are, you're in that place of defeat and failure, humiliation. Would you come right now? Come right now. Maybe family, maybe in your family, maybe in your personal life, or the sin issue, the struggle you've got that defeats you all the time, maybe in a relationship that's caused tremendous grief and hurt, and there's a deep feeling of being defeated and set back. Would you come? Just please come. Please be honest with God tonight. Be honest tonight. This is your night. This message is for you. So where are you living in your heart? If you were living in a place of victory, you'd be a lot different to what you are now. If you were living in a place of victory, there'd be a much greater joy in your life. There'd be a much greater expression in your life. There'd be a much greater enthusiasm in your life. You just know that you're not where you should be. Why don't you make that decision? I'm going to turn to the Lord tonight. God bless you. Some people respond. Others need to come. Please come. Please come. Let's just stand together. We're going to phone to a song. And then I'd like you to make your way to the front. What stops you acknowledging where you are? Is it your pride? It'll get you nowhere. Is it your fear of people? They're not going to help you break through. Is it your fear of going back into the pain of that situation? sorry, there's no other way. You've got to face it. If you're willing to, God will help you. He'll always help you. Thomas says, the righteous fall seven times, but God lifts him up again. Is there anyone else here tonight? You're in that place of pain, of failure, setback, back to feet. Would you make a decision and come tonight? Come tonight. Come. Don't stay there in that place. Don't stay. Don't stay. Don't stay there. Don't stay there with the windows shut down and your heart and then make a decision, I'll open up.